Welcome to the Relentless Minds podcast with Lori Jimenez, a platform where influential entrepreneurs get real and share their stories of challenges in life that they've had to face head on and conquer in order to be where they are today. Here, you'll get an inside look at the adversities that these individuals have experienced or are currently dealing with, in addition to their opinions on real life matters and philosophies in life. Most importantly, you'll learn what it takes to have a relentless mind so that you too can stay headstrong in your pursuit of a better future. In this podcast, you're going to get 100% authenticity from people that have figured out how to beat the noise that society creates and have a higher level of self-mastery. Hi, welcome back to my podcast, Relentless Minds. Today I have with me Maura Barclay. Maura is CEO of MCBC Consulting, which provided inclusive leadership and harassment prevention training to Fortune 500 companies and the U.S. military. She is also founder of Unbreakable Woman, a training program that focuses on empowerment and self-advocacy for women. Most recently, she became the Director of Empowerment and Advocacy for Equinox. Maura, thank you so much for being here with me today. I truly appreciate you taking from your time and your busy schedule to to have this interview here with my podcast. Well, Laurie, I'm always sincerely honored that people want to have me on their podcast, so I appreciate you having me on. So I actually met you first of the uh, Unbreakable Woman Primal Power event of Equinox in DC, and I absolutely love the message that you were that you were giving about telling women that we have everything that we have in order to avoid bad situations. And you were talking about compassionate self-defense. That was something that you were really talking about. Can you tell me some more about that event? Certainly. So the original event was Unbreakable Woman, and I did a pilot tour back in March of this year. And I refined it and uh, created Primal Power, which was the event you went to. Uh, A couple of things. One is there's this notion that number one, we have to fight like a man to be safe, is a counterintuitive and an inorganic response. Women just don't roll that way. And it uh, sort of defeats the purposes of all of the natural skills that we have, to your point of we already have everything we need. We cannot prevent violence against us. That's not our job. Only the people who perpetrate violence can prevent violence. So that's number one. Number two, what we are being told is our job, in addition to prevention, is this violent response to violence, which is violence management, Mm -hmm. not prevention. And I feel like a much smarter approach is to use all the skills we've got to introduce women to the natural skills they have, which is not part of the self-defense narrative at all in this country, introduce women to these powerful skills they have so that they can see all, all the things that they have, have not been leaning upon that have been there the whole time. Mm-hmm. That's number one. That's where the true power is. It's not punches and kicks. So mm-hmm. that's why I wanted to do this event, why I wrote my book. And the second thing that I introduced into the self-defense and women's empowerment narrative that I felt was missing is this compassion element. You know, we live in this uh, outraged society of dehumanization. The, the media loves to dehumanize because it's very sensational. It's very compelling. You're only going to hear about the kinds of crimes that make your skin crawl and make you check your windows at night. And we never, ever talk about how did this person come to be the violent criminal they are? The only thing I want to know is what happened to this, this mm-hmm. person that broke them? How did they become so wounded to the extent that this is what they feel they need to do? That's the story that I want to know. And it always bothered me that we never got to hear that part of the story. 
and imagine what our world would look like if the person who perpetrated the crime had a little follow-up. You know, this, this, man, this is what they went through in their childhood. If we knew the circumstances that produced those behaviors, maybe we'd do a better job as a society mm -hmm. mitigating those circumstances. Yeah. That's violence prevention. Mm -hmm. That's what that is. So the compassionate piece was number one because I felt the, the disservice was being done to all of these broken men, broken wounded men. You know, boys are not born to do that. Somebody ruined them. So that's number one. Number two, if women can see the circumstances, if women can see these men as broken, wounded boys walking around in a full-grown male body, the chances of us using the skills that we were born with is higher yeah. because now we are not freaking out, right? So it, it kind of takes the, the emotional, the rational emotion and, and tamps it down to a little bit more of an intellectual level. So when you see someone, your intuition says, that's a dangerous person, you need to avoid them. You're not gonna, you're not gonna go into a panic because you know this is a, this is a human being. This is a human being exactly. I need to avoid. That's a much more powerful place to come from mm -hmm. and why I teach compassion in my self-defense. That's true because, you know, it, you've seen these people as like some sort of monster, seeing them as this, this individual that has no heart, has no, like you can't relate to them. You can't understand them. And then it, that fear of the unknown, right? It just, it freezes you. It could freeze you. But then saying, hey, you know, that it's just another person. They're a broken person it does definitely put you in a position of strength where you're able to hopefully control your emotions and use all these skills that you talk about. What actually started you on that journey of, you know, trying to teach people self-defense, trying to teach women self-empowerment? So I grew up in a, in a home like many women do, you know, there's, there's so much shame around circumstances that are unideal that we never talk about them. Or if we do, it's, it's usually, you know, a teary confession on a, in a, in like a reality show, and I, I feel like if we could normalize the discussion around abusive behavior in our, in our households, then we would have a much better uh, opportunity of mitigating those uh, environments for children. So one out of, according to the CDC, one out of three women has, a, 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 has survived a, an attempted or completed an assault. And of, the, of those numbers, I want to say something crazy, like 70% uh, of them all mm -hmm. happened before the age of 12. Mm -hmm. That should wow. tell you something. This is not happening on the street. Again, mm -hmm. I may have that statistic wrong, but the, the point is the majority of these circumstances are happening at home. Somehow there has been a generational abuse that has been allowed to continue. So I'm not sure exactly in my family where, what happened, but, um, my father was inappropriate with me and I was very fortunate that it was minor by comparison to what other girls have had to survive in their families from grandfathers, fathers, uncles, stepbrothers, etc. Because our country puts so much of the responsibility on the woman, mm -hmm. this is where a lot of our shame comes from and why survivors are so reluctant to talk about this. And also they don't want to embarrass our, their families. For example, mm -hmm. I have a really good relationship with my father now. We've discussed this. We were able to discuss it. And he apologized. He didn't even remember some of it. So I had to say, like, do you remember this happened? Like, this was, this was like mortifying for me. And, and it was terrible. And it influenced me. And it, it really changed how I saw the world. Mm -hmm. It made me feel unsafe. Yeah. And he was like, holy crap. I, I didn't even realize. So it gave me the opportunity to have that discussion with my father. 
and we have since worked it out. That's and I would, like to, I would like to also add <laughs> that he continues to do things that are inappropriate, even though they are not like earth shattering things, they're little things, just because that's who he is. And as an adult, I can say to him, you know, that made me uncomfortable. I don't want you to do that again. He's like, oh, okay. Who yeah. else is having these conversations with their fathers? Like, I know. Yeah. You know, like why? Confronting so, it. Yes. But the way I did it was, I love you. I'd like to have a relationship with you, mm-hmm. but this, this behavior is inappropriate. I can't yeah. have it with me. Mm-hmm. And now I have a daughter. Exactly. That's not going to, don't, not in front of mama bear. You don't. So I'm like, if you want a relationship with your granddaughter, and I know that you do, and I know that you can keep it together. Um, he's older now. He doesn't have as much energy. And, and these are the realities. Like I, I forgave him. Yeah. I love him. And I, I think that's why I'm one of the few women's empowerment advocates who doesn't want to man bash. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I, I love men. I have great men in my life. That doesn't mean that there's some men that need some education. Mm-hmm. But uh, coming at this thing with forgiveness has, a lot, has allowed me the ability to maintain some of my more uh, challenging relationships with men, mm-hmm. which is what I teach. As long as they're willing to be educated, as long as they're willing to exactly. meet you halfway, that's important. That's beautiful. That's beautiful because that's such a strong place to be, such a strong and fulfilling place to be in your life that you're able to forgive and then use that compassion to teach and influence other people. So you were saying that this experience though, before you were able to heal really and go and talk to your dad and you know set the record straight, you lived in fear, oh, right? Oh my gosh, I was, I was afraid because I didn't feel safe in my home. Mm-hmm. I was afraid I was going to get attacked all the time on the street, stranger danger mm-hmm. behind every bush yeah. was, a, was a crouching, criminal waiting to attack me. I lived hyper vigilant like that for 37 years. It was exhausting. I didn't trust anybody. And my response was, well, I, I, I better turn into a warrior because someone's got to protect me and it's not the people who are in my life to mm. protect me. They're not safe. So I got to do it myself. So I thought getting strong would be a, a good idea. So I started lifting weights and I lifted so many weights. I won a couple bodybuilding contests because <laughs> I'm a Leo and that's what you do when you lift yes. weights that much. <laughs> <laughs> you dedicate yourself 100%. 100%. I saw, your, I saw your pictures. I was very, very impressed. I look back on those and I'm impressed. I'm like, how the heck did I do that? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I did that. But you know, it's funny that even being that strong, like to that degree, it, it never made me feel safe. Mm-hmm. which is what I was after. So I thought, well, um, you know, I'm going to get super tough. Like maybe that's the problem. I just, I don't want to be, I don't want to look like a target. And I have, I have a servant's heart and I became a firefighter. I loved, I loved being a firefighter. It was a lot of work. And eventually, you know, it's funny. I, uh, it was a harassment incident that deci- made me decide to step away and it was poorly handled. Uh. Had it been handled correctly, it would, be, would have been an, a retention opportunity for both of us. I didn't want him to get fired. I, I love my guys. I didn't want anybody. I just wanted him to stop the behavior. But the way it was handled was so bad. It, I'm like, I'm not safe here either. So, and you know, once you've lost the trust of the, the people that you work with, you don't want to go into a burning building, Lori. No. That's a very bad feeling. I'm like, nope. <laughs> I don't think any of these men would not help me. But the fact that I, I, they even had that thought, I'm like, Mm-mm. this isn't a good environment for me anymore. So I left. And even though I had uh, achieved this level of like toughness, like dragon slayer, literally, 
I still didn't feel safe. So I thought the only way that I'm ever going to feel safe in this world is if I learn how to defend myself. I got to learn martial arts. And I studied for 10 years and, or I actually, I, well, I practice, but I don't, I, I don't have time to study right now. I, I climbed the ranks in, in Muay Thai kickboxing and Brazilian jiu-jitsu and Eskrima, which is a, a knife fighting art that you learn with sticks. It's, it's fantastic. So I learned how to fight standing with my fists. I learned how to fight standing with tools and I learned how to fight on the ground. And after all that, I still didn't feel safe. And it just didn't make any sense to me. I'm like, what the heck am I supposed to do? This culture has been telling us if we learn to fight like a man, we'll be safe. It didn't change my heart. It didn't give me any sense of, of comfort. And one day I realized that the things that had been protecting me, that I had been using, were skills that I was born with. Being assertive, powerful speech, willingness. It was my willingness to step into my power and say, hey, to somebody on the street without hesitation or apology. That's what was keeping me safe. And that's what was, uh, had people perceive me, changing people's perception of me as powerful. Because mm. inside, I'm telling you, Lori, I'm like, if anyone had just poked me with one finger, I would have folded like a cheap card table, but I didn't look like I would. Yeah. And for 37 years, I was desperately afraid. And then like a flash, once I figured out, oh my gosh, this is where my power is. It was like the Wizard of Oz. I already had a heart and courage and a brain. Mm. I just stopped yeah. looking for them on the outside. I already had it and I was using it. And then I'm like, holy cow, these are teachable skills. I got to teach every woman. Mm. I got to write a book so that every woman can take go. this journey without having to diet and, and win a bodybuilding contest because it's <laughs> rough. You shouldn't have to do that. Nobody should have to do that. That you're saving <laughs> everyone the struggle. <laughs> let, me save you, let me save you some time, ladies. Um, and it wasn't just that. Listen, th there's something I really want to make really clear. And it's, it's, here's some of the, one, of my, one of my most treasured pieces of feedback from, from my events. A woman left and she's like, I absolutely loved it. I feel so much more empowered. I just wish there was more martial arts. Mm. I'm like, did you, hear, yeah. did, you, did you hear what I was saying? Going after physical skills is great for confidence and you should absolutely do it but that is a rabbit hole. And at the end of that rabbit hole is more rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. There is no safety, there's no comfort, there's no power there. If anything, it will disempower you. The moment you try to get on a level playing field physically with a man is the moment you lose. Yep. Yeah. That's not what makes you strong, that's not what makes you powerful, and that's not what makes you intimidating yeah. at all. Mm -hmm. That's the message I'm trying to tell women. That ain't where it is. Focus on your assertiveness, your awareness, your powerful speech, your trust in exactly. your intuition, that's where the juice is. Exactly. And that's Put your focus there. That's yeah. what, what's going to avoid or prevent, hopefully, getting to that point because you're right. I mean, the truth of the matter is that if it comes to, you know, the strength of the woman and the female, if it came to combat, right, the male would would win. And I know that you, in your book also, that you, you mentioned different tactics of how you can avoid it which is which is really good and everybody should know it but you know you have so many different skills available before it even got to that point you know like in your book you mentioned self-defense courses and they're like okay imagine that you're in an alley at three in the morning and a guy has a knife what do you do and it's like the question is how in the world did I even show up in that alley at three in the morning <laughs> like what am I doing here you know so it's 
the focus for women definitely should be on the skills that you have now to avoid that situation. Yeah. What are you doing at 3 a.m. in an alley, ladies? <laughs> and, and could you have somehow gone a different route? I mean, that's, that's really the question. And, and the reason that, and listen, um, most self-defense is taught by men, or at least it was. And the way that, so the whole dynamic is different. Men attack men for different reasons than they, than they go after women and, and, and girls. They, they're looking for someone vulnerable. And I wanted to mention, since you talked about combat, like a, a woman would lose, it depends. Because pound for pound, Lori, you're 100% correct. Men are stronger than women. Mm-hmm. Now, here, here's, here's the very important different, differentiating factor when it comes to martial arts, or, or it comes to self-defense and personal safety. If for some reason all of your other skills have failed and you find yourself, because it happens, I'm not going to stand here and say like, it's never going to happen. Either with a stranger, although let's be clear, the majority of incidents, 85% are people that we know and they're leveraging the trust and the loyalty in the relationship, which is why you don't want to fight back. It's Mm -hmm. psychological warfare. So let's be clear about that. I can verify it. I fired up about this. (laughs) Anyway. Anyone who's capable of using psychological warfare to keep you compliant deserves a high five to the nose. Mm-hmm. Just that little bit of feedback. Hey, knock it off. Not cool. All right. So that's number one. Number two, anyone, uh, particularly in the stranger danger department, the reason that people come to my events, women who fear for their lives out on the street, who listen to the media and, and, know, and fear of the monster, these men, as mentioned, are broken, wounded people. They are weak. They are looking for an easy takedown. They're looking for low-hanging low fruit. They are not willing to sustain a fight. Now, they'll, they'll do it for about two minutes. But if you can put up a decent fight for two minutes, if you go and just Google women and girls, girls, 60-pound girls who have escaped full-grown men, it is the fight. It is the willingness, determination, and the grit not the strength that creates the escape. So when you're dealing with what you called combat, yeah, they may be stronger physically, but they are not equipped emotionally. They are so weak emotionally that you will win that fight most of the time. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie, but the most of the time you're yeah. going to win that fight. You just keep fighting. Wow. That's, that's real. No, that's true because they're, you got to think about where they're coming from. They're already un- emotionally unstable. Yes. Yeah. They're sad angry little boys. And when you fight back, you ruin it all. Because what they're looking for is your power. They want to feel in control. And when you fight back, their whole delusion just falls apart. That's a good message. And so you discovering this, it really made you feel safer? Everywhere I go. Everywhere I go. Now, I'm not going to, I'm not stupid. I'm not going to test my theory in a gritty part of town at three in the morning. I'm staying out of the alleys. But in general, I feel and it's not just empowered, like there's this process, like it started off with, oh my God, I'm scared of everybody. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, wait a minute, I think I can handle myself. I think I got this. And now it's like, I want to help. I want to help. I want to, I feel like I, there has to, there has to be a way to create a sense of it's okay. Go get help. Like I want to be this, I, I, that's my goal is to be this sort of walking, compassionate feedback instead of don't mess with me. We're both going to get hurt. I feel much uh, more satisfied in my life walking down the street when I see an unstable person thinking, and depending why they're unstable, because if they've got an organic mental yeah. disability, I can't, no, you can't mm. negotiate with crazy people. <laughs> uh, but for, the, for those I can see, like, are just so upset 
I feel it and I see it and, and I want to walk by them and like give them, go get yourself some help. Oh my gosh. I yeah. can see, I see your pain. I just want to give them that. I just want to give them, I see your pain. I can't, I can't help you, yeah. but that like, it's real what you're going through. Yeah. You're trying to come from it because we're nurturers, right? Yeah. Women. Yeah. So yeah. you're, you're very nurturing. And uh, so I like that. I can see that being an influence in your program, you know, for women and your self-training program. It's just coming from an area where you're just trying to help others. It's not to break down, you know, it's not like to, to bash men over the head and say, hey, you know, you're a horrible person trying to understand where they come from. And also for women to understand that, that we have all the skills that we need in order to avoid a situation. It's not about the strength doesn't come from the physical skills necessarily as much as, you know, all the skills that you mentioned, um, like intuition, assertiveness. In your book, you talk about boundaries, um, your speech, and also, you know, in, in, awareness. So those are a few. But what I truly love seeing is that you took your situation, you know, that you had your experience growing up where you couldn't trust men you can trust the, I, I would say the most important man in your life, or you felt you couldn't trust him. And you turned that around and you created a service to the public from that, you know, and a service to women. And that is such an area of like power and strength and just beauty. And when it came to you figuring everything out on your own and coming to terms and deciding to, to go talk to your dad, where did that come into play with, with, with all of your, I'd say, accomplishments? So uh, I was uh, in a, in kind of a, a weird relationship with, with, I mean, you know, we never really talked about it and I was complicit because I had not confronted him. And I was in a, in a, a, a relationship with a man at the time who brought that to my attention. Uh, and I had started doing the Unbreakable Woman uh, developing the material and doing some workshops in LA. So it was just getting on its feet. It was around like 2003, 2004. I was workshopping the material and it was my 37th birthday. My father and stepmother gave me a really inappropriate card. And I was like, yeah, well, I guess that's just them, you know, enabling the inappropriate behavior. And I put it out because I'm like, well, I love my parents. So I'm supposed to like, just make this supposed to be okay. And mm. it, it was, uh, uh, it was like, kind of pornographic a little bit. So there weren't two people, it was just one person, but it's very, very graphic. And um, the business partner of my, of my current relationship at the time had a niece who was about 13 and the card was out. And suddenly I was met with the reality of this perception of the, sort of the real world with the world that I had been trying to float the bubble and keep it normal. They're like, this isn't normal. It's not really right. Mm -hmm. I'm like, shoot, you're right. I have to deal with this. And, and my, my relationship said very compassionately and loving to me at the time, you are complicit if you do not say something. So he encouraged me to set a boundary for the first time. I grew up without any boundaries. And um, I'm like, okay. So I did. I said, I know that you meant well, but the card was hard for me and I didn't really like it. So I appreciate the card. I gave him an out. Can you please just find something a little more appropriate next time? Thank you mm -hmm. very much. This uh, was not met well. 
it uh, created defiance and I was immediately sent another inappropriate photo, basically saying, you can't tell me what to do. At which, which point I said, okay, then you can't be in my life. Mm. So I think it's very important for women to hear, and men, if they are in um, relationships like this, there is a point where you have to walk away because it is not healthy for you. If people are putting poison in your well, you have to be able to figure out how to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. And walking away sometimes is the best. So at the age of 37, I walked away. Up to 10 years later, 2016, I get cancer. It was, it was a big bad one, but luckily it was a big bad one that has great prognosis and is very treatable. So maybe it wasn't big bad. Maybe it was more like game show, game show mm-hmm. cancer. Like I got really lucky. I had the cancer, cancer oh, experience. It was, it was a good one, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Oh, wow. uh, a, young person's, a young person's cancer. Mm. So they heard through social media that um, I had cancer and they reached out carefully through text. And then we eventually started talking again. Wow. 10 years had passed. Wow. And they were much older. No communication in that time. None. And you were just building up your, your business and your message and empowering other people. And that probably that most likely fulfilled you and that, you know, that, that sense for 10 years. Wow. And then had, fighting cancer. You're incredible. You're a superwoman. Uh, I didn't feel like I had much of a choice because if I surrendered, I would have died. And I kind of <laughs> like it here and I have a kid. So, you know, I mean, it's a legit choice, but I decided yeah. not to give up. No, 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 no. Yeah. You, and you're good now. Yep. I'm okay. good now. Perfect. And uh, it was a wonderful life-changing transformational experience. Um, I was wow. married at the time and it wasn't an appropriate partnership. And the cancer helped me see that and helped me mm-hmm. make a better choice for myself. And um, so it, it allowed me, it gave me the strength and the courage to say, all right, if we're going to be in relationship, we need to have a conversation because now I have a daughter. And if you exactly. want to see her, let me tell you, if there is a hint, yeah. if there is a hint, a whiff, you will never see me again. I mm-hmm. think I've made that really plain. Mm-hmm. It's going to work uh, as a healthy understanding and relationship, which like again, we, we have to have certain conversations sometimes, but he's willing to hear them. Yeah. That's the difference. That's the he's difference. Meeting me half, he's meeting me halfway. Mm-hmm. And I'm also completely willing. I don't want to. I'm also willing to step away if I need to, because exactly. I will protect myself and my daughter. Exactly. So I think that's a, an important piece of it. Um, I decided that, that doing the work unsupported, like not a lot of, I didn't have any parental support. Like that's okay. Um, no. And, and that, was, that was the path. That was the journey. And I, I've arrived here. And it, at, you know, like as it becomes more well-known, I hope that he can tolerate being, perhaps actually being known as mm-hmm. being my dad. Yeah. We don't know. As, uh, during, as, as this podcast is going out, Lori, I have no idea how that's going to go. Yeah. It's a mystery. And you had that conversation with him. Yes, I did. Yeah. I prepared him. And I, and I also said, listen, if you need to step away because it's too embarrassing, you don't want to be associated with me, 100%. I guess, yeah. you know, I, I think the, the greater lesson here is, Lori, the only thing that matters is forgiveness. Exactly. I don't have to be in a relationship with my father to love him 100%. Mm. If he is not capable of being in a healthy relationship with me, exactly, that's not my responsibility. Mm-hmm. My responsibility is only to myself. Exactly. And I, I, I want people to know that the power is in the ability to lovingly step away, not in bitterness, not in anger. 
in love, in, in unconditional love for the person. And you have to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to step away from relationships that are not healthy for you. And I've just made it, but I empower myself in the relationship to be like, hey, this doesn't work. And that doesn't work for you, then it doesn't matter if we're connected biologically. We can't be in each other's lives. Exactly. No, that's so, it's important. You have to set your sanity in first place, especially if you're not the one in the wrong. Well, let's, let's be careful about right and wrong. Uh, you know, I mean, and I agree with you, but I think it's important to be like, this didn't feel, because culture really, culture mm-hmm. is such a huge part of what determines right and wrong. Mm-hmm. So I prefer the words like um, appropriate and inappropriate based yeah. on very broad sociological norms within mm-hmm. the culture. In my culture, in the, in, I'm Jewish adjacent. We have this thing called a potch. We hit each other on the butt. Uh. <laughs> my grandfather, my grandfather used to get big handfuls of my butt when I would walk up the stairs, you know, and just like and potch me. I think it's called like potchala. I think it's Yiddish. Mm. That's normal. There is a lot of touchy-feely in my family. And um, that never felt inappropriate, you see? No, I completely understand because it's, it's similar in the, in the Latin community. It's touchy-feely with grandparents, like older, yes. older generations with the young, young, young generation. And so I completely understand where you're coming from. But, you know, I, I really though appreciate you sharing your, your story, just being real, um, because you're, you're making a difference. Like what you're get putting out there and um, the attention that you're bringing to that self-awareness and like empowerment, people are going to look up to you. And I think if women can relate to you just that much more, you know, they're, it's going to make that message so much more of an impact. So I truly appreciate that you are, you're here today and then you're just being 100% you. And I just want you to know that it's, it's all for a good cause, everything that you're that you're striving for, you know, everything that you've shared today. Thank you, Lori. It's very nice to get some affirmation because I'm killing myself trying to get heard. And mm-hmm. it's very nice when someone says, I hear you. And I think it's, um, I think it works. That's all I care about. It doesn't matter. Like, it, cause I'm, I'm a teacher. Everything mm-hmm. I do is training. And if the student hasn't been moved to a new understanding, then I'm a waste of space. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you were impacted in a positive way by my, by my curriculum is, um, is very satisfying and it, it makes me feel like, all right, I got to one person. Woo-hoo! A million more to go, right? Who's next? Yeah, exactly. it's like, uh, you know, I self-published my book as a companion guide to my seminar because women were taking notes like crazy. Like they were barely even listening to me. They're just taking notes. I'm like, holy mm-hmm. cow. Um, and then they'd come up to me afterwards with like these pages in their hand. They're like, what else do you have? What, what else? Mm-hmm. What, what do you have? I'm like, I don't have anything. So I turned my, my, my uh, teaching plan uh, and I expanded it and did a bunch of research. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's what the, the book is. But it's, it's really kind of, it's not really out there, you know? And trying to get pu- like a publisher to look at it, I'm like, really? After me too? You, you don't think this book would be relevant? <laughs> exactly. It's so hard. So I, I really appreciate the exposure and the, um, and the, uh, the partnership that, that you're, you're giving me. So thank you. <laughs> of course, of course. About your book. So mm. for our listeners to hear, it's called Unbreakable Woman. And it is available online. I was able to find it on Amazon. And you can also purchase it, download it for Kindle. What I really took from the book is uh, self-defense doesn't begin 
with physical skills. It ends with them. So that's something straight out from your book. Um, and just to add to that, women can prevent or evade harmful, harmful situations with skills that they already have without needing to get physical. Um, but in the book, you also include different tactics, you know, physical tactics that a woman can, can do um, in order to get out of a situation if she was to find herself in a situation. So it's great because you do mention your six critical skills in order to avoid that physical part, right? And that is awareness, intuition, which everybody has, every woman has, like, you know, having, like, seeing a guy that's walking by, and it's just, you get a weird feeling, like, you know, like, you're aware, first of all, you noticed them, you weren't texting, right? That is important. So the intuition to kind of have that, 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 that sixth sense is what we, we call, we call it usually. Um, also setting boundaries, right? So people that are close, people that you're just meeting, having always boundaries and sticking to those boundaries. Um, assertiveness, so just showing that confidence, like you were saying, you know, that you had, you didn't feel it in the inside, but outside you were showing everybody, hey, I'm confident as hell, and you better not <laughs> overstep those boundaries. Um, and also the powerful speech, so different to just how you, you know, come off. And also, if you were to have an, a situation where somebody was to confront you and, you know, not being, not thinking, Right. And this is something we didn't actually talk about yet, but for our reader or for our listeners, they can read it. Um, but how society has influenced women to think they need to act a certain way or be a certain way that's appropriate for women, right? That image. Um, and so they won't listen to or they won't act the way they need to to get out of a situation. But like that powerful speech. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about your book. I think I like basically gave it all, all away. Hopefully not. That's <laughs> no, all good. Uh, yeah. So it's called Unbreakable Woman, Compassionate Self-Defense and Empowerment. And it is kind of like a, a manual for how to cultivate into mastery the, the skills that we have right now. And you mentioned all of them. And the, probably the, the part of it is, of course, I start with awareness. Awareness is the tree on which all of your empowerment fruit are growing. If you don't have awareness, you're not going to get access to those other juicy fruits. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just said juicy fruits. Oh my goodness. So <laughs> completely okay. I know, but it's, it's now I know, you know my generation. You know how old I am. Um, I, I, you know, without awareness, you're not going to hear your intuition whispering to you. Uh, pay attention to that guy over there. I don't know what that is, but you should see what's like that guy's loitering. It's weird. Uh, and like you say, when you get that creepy feeling, when you just know. I explain in the book where intuition comes from so that women can trust it. The, the whole book is just to help women see, holy cow, I've got all this stuff I haven't been using. Mm -hmm. And here's how to bring it into conscious use. And while you're in the process of doing that, it, it doesn't matter if you feel confident on the inside. If, you are, if you're doing it on the outside, no one's going to question you. And that's, that's a big part of, I went through it. I know it for a fact. Mm -hmm. uh, it's body language. Exactly. Um, that's, that, that's another, but nonverbal communication is, is like 95% of how we let strangers know who we are, and what we're all about. And if you can put on some, you know, rock star body language, doesn't matter if you're terrified, nobody is going to question you. And that's something that women don't believe. And to your point about powerful speech, you know, we're all trained to be subordinate in this country. That's our socialization. The generations that we're raising now in big cities 
are, are luckily uh, not really exposed to that. Like the way I'm raising my daughter and you go to any big city, girls are not being raised that way. And boys are not being raised in the way that they were either. Like they're, they're encouraged to, to feel their feelings and all the good healthy stuff. Unfortunately, it is mainly in the big cities, like the heartland of America, still very heteronormative gender binary right now. In fact, just the other week, I think it was two weeks ago, the ACLU had to get involved in a case at a parochial school, I think it was in Kentucky, where um, a little girl wanted to wear pants, not a skirt. Oh my God. They wouldn't let her. They're like, you need to sit like a lady. Wow. Exactly. So let's be real. This stuff is still happening. And and we're still having to overcome all of that training of being a lady. And I'm like, we need to rewild. It is conditioning, mm-hmm. 100%. And we need to rewild ourselves. If, if, any, if I can accomplish anything, it's, it's to let women see that you can be a feminine, powerful woman. And you, know, you don't have to sacrifice your femininity to be powerful mm-hmm. at all. In nope. fact, that's the life you want to lead. And you can still be soft and wear pink and put on makeup and all of it. Yeah. That doesn't make you a subordinate. That's a fashion sense. That's how you express your femininity. Let's be clear. Subordination is about being quiet, sitting in the back, uh, being a doormat, being made to be responsible for something that is not your responsibility, like violence prevention. It's your fault. That's crap. That's subordination. That's not what, yeah, I'm not talking about your fashion sense. Like be beautiful, whatever you want, but be beautiful in whoever you are. Don't let society tell you the standard. You exactly. are the standard, whatever you, whatever you look like. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, um, that's the book. That's the book. Get the book. <laughs> Get the book. <laughs> so founder of, of Unbreakable Woman. And you also have, you also are CEO of MCBC Consulting. So we haven't talked about that. Did you want just to bring, bring that up a little bit for our listeners? Yeah. So as I was going through the education biz, you know, as a trainer, mm-hmm. I, I started with women's, uh, women's safety because I felt when I went through my journey of figuring out how to feel safe, I'm like, I have to share this. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous that women are wa- walking around scared all the time. We can't live like this. And by the way, you can't make any big changes if you're living in fear. You just can't do it. If you're fearful for your personal safety, it's going to impact everything you do. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to address that immediately. Like, let's get women... Uh, you know, forward, uh, you know, because most women kind of go through life on their heels. Let's get women on their feet and give them uh, some tools to be powerful. That was number one. And so that I was doing that. And then I saw, and then I got on the strength of my book, I was hired by a, a military contract company to develop original curriculum for the military in harassment prevention and, and, and sexual assault prevention. And I'm like, wow, I, harassment prevention is a really big important thing. And I want to be a part of that. I, 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 my curriculum works perfect for this, obviously. Like, so I'm still teaching women. And then I started to see, um, I move way quicker than, than business moves, like what I think. And, but I don't know how, like deploying it tactically is, is, as a business strategy is, is much slower. So I had Unbreakable Woman. That was my program. And I, I did all this work. Fortune 500 companies were hiring me to, to empower their women, uh, and not just in personal safety, Harassment prevention, obviously a little bit, but like empowerment, body language, like how to, how to sit in a board meeting and how to take up space, like how to, how to play the boys game mm. in leadership. 
because leadership is gendered right now, Lori. Um, Women need to hear that. Boys are raised as leaders. Girls are raised as subordinates. So naturally, the people who are raised as leaders are trained to see girls, women, as subordinates. And it doesn't matter how much of a feminist you are, that training's in your DNA. And there need to be very specific uh, uh, behaviors and awarenesses to mitigate all that implicit bias. So I was starting to see, just like in self-defense, we keep asking ourselves, how do, what, what can women do differently to get paid equally? What can women do to prevent violence or, or harassment against them in the, business, in the business world? How can we get women to lean in more? And the more I thought about it, I'm like, this isn't a woman's issue. This is a man's issue. Businesses are built, their, their whole uh, ideology, business culture is built by men for men. Men are those, the dominant group. This is a sociological issue. Okay, so it's not a gender issue. This is a sociological issue. Men have the privilege to be in those positions more frequently than anybody else. And I want to be clear, privilege is about access and nothing else. These men work their butts off. They sacrifice just like everybody else. That said, they're the ones who have a velvet rope lifted for them and everybody else is kind of standing behind waiting for that one opportunity. I realized the more I started teaching harassment prevention and women's empowerment, that's not who I need to be talking to. That's not who needs the training. That's not who, that's not who needs the education. It's the men. Exactly. And I, so I started MCBC Consulting because Unbreakable Woman is gendered. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're the woman's, you're a woman's empowerment lady. Well, let's get you in here for a spiff. Let's give our ladies a little for something. Women. To, for the women. Yeah. A little something for the ladies. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I can train women all day long. Exactly. No matter what I do, Lori, no matter how successful I might be, I'm only accomplishing inches in the game of miles. Exactly. So I started MCBC Consulting to have a non-gendered consulting company that would allow me then to do implicit bias training, mm-hmm. to do mixed gender training, to do training, to leadership, uh, inclusive leadership training for male dominated uh, decision-making teams. Mm. That's why I started awesome. that business. And it was about that time that Equinox and I started partnering with the Unbreakable Woman content and uh, they created the role and they helped, they allowed me to partner with them on the title. They came up with empowerment. I came up with advocacy because I, I really wanted it to be about all staff. Exactly. Every, everybody needs a voice, including the men in charge. Exactly. It's not right that these men feel like they're, that they're being punished for being men. It's not right. For how, this is, how society, you know, the settings that the society set for them on, on yes. the position that they're supposed to take, you know. Yeah, men have their own violence they do to each other, and this society is not kind to young boys. And there's a reason that we have a hyper-masculinized toxicity right now. We got to stop doing that to them. There's a reason they feel like they need to do all this stuff and exclude women. Like, oh no, this is that's where they get their sense of self. And mm-hmm. our society has told them if you are not in a position of power and privilege and, and like a, a, a social elevation, you're worthless. Hmm. You're worthless. And you're not a real man. Yeah. And I got to be honest. I got to be clear about this. The messenger is important. I don't know if men will let me talk to them. I don't know. This message might have to come from a white guy. And that's okay. Because there's some things that men can teach men that women can't teach men. And there's some things that women can teach women that men can't teach Mm -hmm. women. Yeah. When when we tell each other our stories, you're like, oh, I know exactly what you Yeah, you can relate. We can relate. Exactly. I don't know that I'm relatable for men. Um, mm-hmm. I can maybe establish some empathy for women because I'm a woman who loves men and I get men. I, I grew up in warrior culture. I was mm-hmm. a firefighter, I was a bodybuilder, I'm a martial artist. I get yes. warrior culture, yep. but I'm not a man. 
And that's an important message is like, we need to in invite men into partnership. We got to stop pointing the finger at them. Yes, it's inequitable. Yes, all that's true. Yes, you should be outraged. Maybe let's change that. Yes, you could be outraged. Is outrage going to get us what we need? Maybe. Is there a way to do it that is more inclusive and collaborative? Maybe. Mm -hmm. I think men are much more willing to step forward when they're invited in that way. And I don't know if I'm the right person, but I want to keep talking about it. Women are going to need to step, step up into the, into the positions that are, that are going to open up because of this. You know what? I think if anything, you are the perfect person for this. And I think honestly that you like, you know, you're already doing so much as it is, but I don't think you should ever take for granted how much, like how much of an influence and a positive influence you are. Because personally, you know, as a female, as a woman who believes in females, just taking all these roles, the same, it's equal rights all, all, way, all across the board. I mean, I'm in that 100%, but I, at the same time, I don't believe in belittling men, right? And so I feel that you're in a position where that you can do that, you can make that influence and it's a positive influence and it's an empowering influence, but, but it's not to the demise of the other gender, right? And so I think for personally, I think that's, you would be the perfect person to do that because you have that mindset, you know? And I feel that it would be um, more toxic for somebody that doesn't have that mindset. And it's all about woman, female warrior and male, you know, subordinate sort of thing. Um, like I, I feel like that would be um, more toxic than anything. <laughs> well, I, you know, I have, I, I had to come to forgiveness after being wronged by the primary male relationship in my life. And that has given me the ability to forgive wrongness, if you will. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, I, I'm not going to judge why you wronged. Let's just move forward mm -hmm. without judgment, blame, or shame. And you got to stop that. Exactly. You've got to stop, you have it to somewhere. stop it. We're not, we're not going to talk about why we're just going to talk about what now. And then let's just keep moving forward. Ah, you are so say. strong. You are so strong, Mara. I love it. I'm so happy that you spent the time today on this podcast to share your story. And you, I know you're making an influence outside, you know, of, of this platform here. And I know you're going to keep doing so much more. Just to wrap it all up, uh, my lightning round question for you is what message or personal thoughts would you like to share with our listeners today? The most important thing that I learned is outrage is a choice. So if, if I could convey one message, it would be just because someone has wronged you doesn't mean that outrage is the best response and that you have options and to decide which option is going to be the healthiest most productive for you and empower yourself to make that choice. Beautiful. Thank you so much. My pleasure. So to the listeners, if you wanted to get in contact with Mora, you can reach her at her email, Mora, which is spelled M-A-U-R-A at unbreakablewoman.com. She also has her website, which is unbreakablewoman.com. And lastly, her book, which is available online called Unbreakable Woman. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. That concludes this episode. If you enjoyed it, feel inspired, and would like to hear more, please subscribe to the Relentless Minds podcast via the link in the show notes or visit lorihimenez.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.